The reading is from St. Paul's letter to the Galatians. Let us be attentive. Brethren, see with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh that would compel you to be circumcised, and not only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who receive circumcision do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have circumcised that you may glory in your flesh. But far be it from from me to glory, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. Peace and mercy be upon all who walk by this rule, upon the Israel of God. Henceforth let no man trouble me, For I bear on my body the marks of Jesus, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, with your spirit, brethren, amen, and peace be with you, the reader. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and all my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is he who lays up treasure for himself, and is not rich toward God. As he said these things, he cried out, He who has ears to hear, Good tidings. Glory to you, O Lord. Glory to you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 
So once again, we have one of these parables that ends with our Lord saying, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Whenever we hear that from the Lord, we know that this is a parable that has a meaning for each of us in a very significant way. But we should be prepared because we have to dig a little deeper and search our own hearts a little more in order to make sure that we identify ourselves in this story. To see where we too are like this person so that we can recognize it and repent of it. And this is why he says, this is not easy. You hear this, but do you really have ears and a heart and a mind that are open to see what I'm trying to say to each one of you? Not just 2,000 plus years ago, but today, right now, us. So, the first thing that I want to bring to your attention about the person in this parable is notice that it's all in the first person singular. I will do this. I will pull down my barns. I will build larger ones for me. I will store all my grain and my goods. I will say to my soul. It's all about Him. None of his thoughts are about the people around him, and none of his thoughts are about God. This parable is, among other things, about selfishness. And I would suggest that we are all guilty of this, that a lot of our thoughts are about ourselves. What am I going to do today? What do I want to wear? What do I want to eat? Where do I want to go? Who is thinking about me? What do they think about me? What do I want to do tomorrow, the future? What makes me annoyed? What makes me happy? What gives me pleasure? And on and on and on. Not unlike this person. I want to tell a little story. It's a true story. It's about a corn farmer. You might say a corn farmer. It's about a corn farmer who in his entire region in the corn belt, every single year, won first prize in his corn. And I don't know what all the criteria were. Sure, look, taste... Whatever. I have no idea. But he won first prize every single year. And finally, the press got hold of this, and they went to interview him, and they say, Sir, what is your secret? And he said, Among other things, first and foremost, my secret is, is that I freely share my corn seed with all my neighboring farmers every single year. Whatever happens to my corn seed and it wins first prize, I freely give it out. And they say, the the reporter said, what do you mean? These are the people that you're competing against every single year. And he says, don't you see? 
I plant my farm, they plant their farms. The crops come up, the wind blows, the seeds get picked up into the air, they land in my farm, mine land in his farm, and her farm, and their farms, and all this cross-pollinization takes place. If I don't give them good seed, they're going to negatively affect my farm, and vice versa. That's my secret. If I want good corn, then I have to make sure I'm doing everything that I can that everybody around me has the best corn too. And this is true in farming, but it's also true in our human existence. We are at our best when we are freely sharing the best that we have, the best of ourselves with other people. That's when really healthy cross-pollinization takes place. But when it's all about me, or you make it all about you, then we not only poison ourselves and contaminate ourselves, but we contaminate everybody around us. And this is what's happening in this parable. Another thing that is happening in this parable, because it's a symptom of the first, or maybe the cause... It could be a circle. And that is that this man does not at all give credit to anybody for his success but himself. Now, farming, there can be a million factors. And each one of those factors can have its own broad and wide ripple effect. So think about a million to the millionth. That isn't an infinite number, but it's very large. And that's how many things need to go right and could go wrong for him to have had such a bumper crop. There is no way, whether it's farming, whether it's the health of one's own body, whether it is what takes place in our brain for every synapse to connect, for us to be able to process information and have cogent thoughts, to be able to cope with all of the things that are going on in our life, our businesses, our family, our relationships, the environment. Do you know how many things we don't have control over? Including ourselves. If we were to put before us three buckets, one that we have control over, it would be minuscule. One that we have influence, it would be a little bit bigger. But the bucket of no control and no influence would be huge. And yet this person took 100% credit for all of the blessings that he should have attributed to God. Furthermore, He took for granted his life, the precious and priceless finite gift of time. And he thought that he had many, many years left in his life. That he could lay his plans far into the future. And just thinking that way, he thought that he had peace. He thought that he had it made. How many people are walking this earth, living their life, especially in this country, who think just like this person? 
only to find out that that night, and it's always at night that the Lord talks about this, He says that death is going to come to each of us if we are not vigilant and watchful and hold on to the truth like a thief in the night when you least expect it. And so God comes to him at night and he says the last word that you would ever want to hear from God to you. He says, you fool. I don't know about you. I would want to hear that from anyone else in the world except God, especially on the last day of my life when I can no longer do anything about it. We do not want to be judged as fools. We can be sinners. We can be anything else. But we do not want to be judged by God as fools. Wasting our life. Wasting the precious gifts God has given us. Not managing them or understanding them or working in them in any way, shape, or form to bring us into union with the God of the universe forever and ever and ever. What a weighty responsibility being a steward and having dominion over the earth is for every human being. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. You are rich. I don't know what your 2016 has yielded in your businesses. But even if it yielded very little, you're still rich. And you are responsible. We are responsible for these gifts that God has given us. We take for granted that today, like a thief in the night, the Lord could come to us and say, Tonight, today, this moment, your soul is required of you. It's over. All of your decisions, what have they amounted to? I want to share another story. You know I'm a sports fan. There was one of the first African-American baseball players to ever enter the major leagues, and he played for the Brooklyn Dodgers. His name was Roy Campanella. And he was MVP of his Brooklyn Dodgers, not just once, but several times during his bright career. He was on one of the teams for the Brooklyn Dodgers that won the World Series in 1955. So you can imagine at the end of 1955, after winning the World Series and after being a multiple-time MVP of one of the greatest teams and being one of the first African-Americans to ever really make it and cross those race lines, he was on top of the world, like this guy in the parable. Soul, you have done so well. Look at yourself. And then, three years later, which might seem like a long time, but it's not a long time, he got into a very bad car accident, only going 30 miles an hour. Back when the cars were made of all steel, very heavy. He got on a piece of ice, lost control, and ran his car into a telephone pole, flipped it over, and broke his neck, making him a quadriplegic. At first, he had literally only movement from the neck up. After a tremendous amount of physical therapy, and we're talking about a top athlete, 
He eventually, and eventually, I mean after a long period of time, was able to move his fingers and his hands and a little bit of his arms. That's the way he lived the rest of his life. In an instant. But while he was in the rehab post-surgery, and all of the reality of what happened to him came crashing in, before he could use his fingers, before he could use his hands and his arms in any way, when he just from the neck up had his existence. Can you imagine the low that he was experiencing? How tragic that was? How hard it was for him to accept? With the great depression and despair that came over him? One day when he was being pushed along in his wheelchair, really hitting bottom at a very, very deep low, he saw some plaque on the wall. And he probably had been pushed by that plaque many times. But for some reason that day, it caught his attention, and he had ears to hear and a heart that was open. And he read this, I asked God for strength that I might achieve. I was made weak that I might learn to humbly obey. I asked for health that I might do great things. I was given infirmity that I might do better things. I asked for riches that I might be happy. I was given poverty that I might become wise. I asked for power that I might have the praise of others. I was given weakness that I might feel the need for God. I asked for all things that I might enjoy life. I was given life that I may begin to enjoy all things. I got nothing I asked for, but everything I had hoped for. Almost despite myself, my unspoken, unspoken prayers were answered. I, among all men, am most richly blessed. Now that didn't sink in immediately, but it sank in enough for him to begin to start doing the work. To take the gifts that God had given him, even in the midst of this tragedy, and begin to live again. And this is why he was able to eventually gain back some of his parts of his body, but even more importantly, gain back his life and begin to share it and to offer it to others in a profound way until he died some 35 years later. So my dear brothers and sisters, the last thing that I wanted to say is that when the Lord speaks to this man after calling him a fool because of the wrong decisions and perspective and attitude that he had, he says that you stored up for yourself treasure, but you were not rich toward God. He identifies himself. The Lord identifies himself with every single human being. With every single charitable institution that is doing the works that the Lord commands. He identifies himself with us and with these. So that when we are generous, when we do look around us, 
When we do cultivate a thankful, grateful heart toward God, and we begin to be managers of the manifold gifts that we have been given, and to begin to share them abroad, so that everyone around us is blessed as we are blessed, God receives this as if you are giving it to Him personally. Especially during this time of thanksgiving, of this season of the nativity, when all around us people are not thinking of the right things in the right ways, God is calling us to be grateful to Him for our very existence and all that He has given us, and to look around, not thinking of ourselves, but being sacrificial towards others. This and this attitude alone will transform your nativity and holiday season. It will take away and safeguard from you this commercialism that burns you out. And it will fill your hearts with such joy and depth and love and gratitude that you will have a very blessed nativity, a very blessed new year, and a most sincere and grateful thanksgiving. Amen.